0: Slam me, hey. hey. ay go, Slam me, ay go, hey, Slam me, a. hit it up hard, hit it up hard, hit it with strike, hit it with strike, from the national anthem, anthem. to the bottom of the night, I'm in, hey. Slam me, hey. hey. ay go, hey, Slam me, ay go, Slam me, a. you already know what's up, what's that another homer, cause you know the job ain't done, till we hold that trophy up, Hey. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 378 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here on April 4th, 2023. Padres, they just split this series, two games set with the Arizona Diamondbacks. They have a 3-3 and record so far on the season. Let me know in the comments if you're here on YouTube live or on replay or listening to the podcast. Go on YouTube and put it in the comments. What? How would you grade this series or this homestand? Excuse me. I guess you could grade the series as well. How would you grade this homestand? Three and three, first homestand of the year. How would you grade that for the Padres? I put that poll out uh, on my Twitter account at Talking Friars, where my Padres content is. I also have a personal Twitter at Ben Fadnessd, where I have my other sports thoughts. Uh, But at Talking Friars on Twitter, you can vote in that poll or you could just put your thoughts in the comments. How would you grade this homestand? I personally would give it a C. Uh, It could have been a lot better, but it also could have been worse, and I'll definitely get to everything that uh, happened pretty much in this homestand. I mean, I already talked about the Colorado Rockies series and uh, splitting that series. Lost the first two. Offense wasn't doing a whole lot, and then they came back, won the next two. And it definitely, you felt much better about the team at the end of that series. But then these last couple games against the Diamondbacks, sure, the ending of last night's game was amazing with the walk-offs. But it is the Arizona Diamondbacks. You you don't feel like you should be in that situation against them. And today they had a 5-1 lead, and they ended up not winning the game. And that's a game that the Padres should win. And yeah, there was the Manny ejection which shouldn't have even happened and we'll get to that. There were some unfortunate things that happened in the game uh, that shouldn't have happened but you still shouldn't lose that game with the talent that is that is on this team. The bullpen, I think, needs to pitch better. It, it There definitely is room for improvement there. I know that Robert Suarez is not in there. Drew Pomerantz is not in there. Adrian Marhone is not in there. Joe Musgrove did not make a start in this homestand because he's not ready, obviously. There's an update on him, by the way, and I'll get to that. Uh, but there's still a lot of talent on this team. So I think that they should have came out of this homestand with a better record than 3-3. Three and three, But they also don't have a losing record, and I do understand that they are down players, right? I didn't even mention Tatis. Um, so let's talk about these first or these only two games uh in this Diamondback series. Let's start with today's game and then I'll hit on yesterday's game. But today the Padres they fall to the Diamondbacks 8 to 6. They had a 5-1 lead in this game. U Darvish got his first start on the season. I thought he looked pretty good. I mean there were times where I mean it's like wow this this isn't the U Darvish we're used to. Um had four walks. Like that's not really you Darvish only three strikeouts, uh, but I did go into this outing with a little tempered expectations. Um, I thought he would get like at least six strikeouts in this outing, but it was his first start of the year. He had a weird spring training because he was with the World Baseball Club. He was with Japan for the World Baseball Classic, only threw ninety-three pitches in that WBC. So it was kind of weird. And he had to build up, wasn't ready for opening day or even the first series of the year. So this was just his first start of the year. So you didn't know how long he was going to go, how sharp he was going to look. I thought he looked good at times. um, And he still pitched good enough for the Padres to go away with this win today. I mean, the offense showed up for Darvish, had three runs in the first two innings. Excuse me, that was yesterday's game. Sorry, wrong box score. Three runs in the first four innings, had two more that they tacked on in the fifth. Nelson Cruz had a home run. Xander Bogarts had a home run. Trent Grisham had a home run there in the ninth inning. The Padres were already down uh, multiple runs there. Um, they were down three, I believe. Was it three? Yeah, they were down three entering the ninth, and then Grish had that solo home run to make it to make it eight six. Uh, but still, three home runs scored 6 runs in total like that should be good enough to win a game against the Arizona Diamondbacks with Darvish on the mound and him giving up one run in those 5 innings with the bullpen that they have even if they are down a few guys I feel like this is a game that the Padres should have won and they didn't and so throw this one in one of the in that category of games that hopefully won't come back to bite the Padres but could uh maybe on like playoff positioning at the end of the year. Um, I remember some early last year uh, and last year season that you throw into that category, you know? Um, So yeah, another game they should have won. I I was encouraged by the offense. Soto had two hits. Um, Cruz, obviously with the home run, Bogarts had two hits. He is on a six game hitting streak to start the year. What a, First home stand for him as a Padre, huh? He's sitting 409 right now, two for four today. Scored two runs, drove in two runs. Crony had a great day, three for four. I think he took some extra BP before the game on the field, which was optional, obviously because it was a day game. He scored a run. Um, looking better at the plate there. Even Nola got a hit, drove in a run. So they had the offense today. It just came down to the bullpen, which really screwed the Padres. I mean, let's face it. Bogarts had that home run, made it a 5-1 game. And then in the sixth, there was, um, let's see, the Perdomo double. Which, look, I'm I'm not going to bash Chris Matt. I think that's who it was in the game at the time. I'm not going to bash him because... Like he got out of the inning, he got a fly out to right. that Like that or line out, but David Dahl should have caught that ball. They called it a double, but it was that's not really a double. If you were watching the game, Dahl should have caught that ball. So two runs scored there. Should have still been a 3-3 game instead of a 5-3, uh, excuse me, a 5-1 game instead of a 5-3 game there in the sixth. The inning continues. Rojas has a single, makes it 5-4. That shouldn't have even happened because there was two outs in the inning in that sixth. When Dahl dropped that ball. So just airs all over the place. There was airs, obviously the air from Dahl. There was the throwing air by Luis Garcia when he came in the game trying to pick off a guy. Uh there was the bunt. It was a good bunt, but Carpenter dropped that grounder. So just sloppy defense. Uh combine that with Garcia not pitching well. Not a good combination. Combine that uh, you know, those things with Arizona Diamondbacks just stealing bases all over the place because Austinola doesn't have a strong arm. And, um, you know, that's a very bad combination. And credit to the D-backs for capitalizing on the Padres' mistakes, some of their issues today. Um, and the diamondbacks they're a team where, yeah, they don't have as much talent as the Padres, but it feels like they can, st- I mean, they proved it today, they can still beat you if they play better fundamental baseball than you do. That's what happened today. Um eighth inning with that bunt, you know, Carpenter drops it as he tries to field it. There's a tie game there. Then there's a bloop single to center. Um, then Guriel had a sack fly. That drove in a run, made it 7-5. Marte stole second. Nola has a not great arm. So the throw took some time to get to Crony at second. Then Crony had to kind of make a off-balance attempt to throw out the runner coming home. Couldn't get him there. And that gave the Diamondbacks their eighth and final run of the game. It was 8-5 in that spot. Grish had a home run in the ninth, made it 8-6. But that obviously was not good enough. Um, Yeah, Nola, like, I know there's probably going to be someone in the chat here that's going to say, man, Nola needs to step it up or Campy should be catching. But, like, the Padres, they know going into this, like this season, going into last season, that Nola doesn't have the strongest arm. But they continue to have him back there as the catcher, as the main starting catcher. Because they trust him to be a good backstop and communicate well and lead the pitching staff, right? The pitchers need to deliver the ball to the plate a little bit faster. And Bob Melvin mentioned that after the game in his post game uh, presser with the media. He talked about that. Uh, I think someone, one of the members of the media, I forget who it was, asked Bob about, well, how can you control the running game? Just don't get into those situations, is what Bomel said. And I know that's not the most. Encouraging thing to hear from Bowmel because he's he doesn't have an answer about really controlling the ring game. Um, like when guys are on base, because it's kind of hard to with Nola behind the plate because guys can just steal even if a pitcher does work fast sometimes and work to the plate fast. Some guys are still going to steal because they're fast, like Corbin Carroll, and Nola just doesn't have as strong of an arm as other catchers in baseball. Um, and that stinks, but you know, the Bowmill, like he's not wrong. You can't allow those guys to reach first base and then not really pay attention to them at first. Or when you do, you throw the ball away and you put runners in scoring position. So there was a lot of, you know, kicking themselves in the butt, if that makes sense today, from the Padres. Um, so yeah, I, I think they deserve to lose this game based on the way they played uh, defensively for the most part, the bullpen there, and they lost the game. I mean, thank goodness for David Dahl. I mean, thank goodness for Bomell's decision to have David Dahl pinch hit last night and for Ha-Sung Kim with the back-to-back home runs, or else I'd be sitting here talking about the Padres getting swept in this mini two-game series against the Diamondbacks. Uh, And the Padres would be what? 3 and 4 or no 2 and 4 right they'd be 2 and 4 going into the Atlanta series if it wasn't for some of the great uh heroics there offensively by the Padres late in the game yesterday or you know Manny's jumping catch that saved the ball going down the line that I think that might have saved a run last night Jose Zocar going full extension in right field I know it was a bad route but he still made the catch that may have led to A big inning there because that would have put a guy probably at least on second base. If Azokar doesn't catch the ball, that's a runner in scoring position with, I think, no outs. Maybe a runner scores there. And the Kim home run maybe would tie the game there instead of win it. Or maybe that home run would have been maybe a a, a run that would have put the Padres down one instead of tying it. Or going ahead, walking it off, which it was last night, right? So there were some things that went right yesterday. Uh, But before we get to yesterday's game, I'm going to go in the comments here, hear your thoughts. Again, how would you grade this first homestand of the season for the Padres? They are 3-3. and I'm definitely going to get to the Manny ejection. Don't worry. Uh, Iris says they should have tried the hidden ball trick on the Diamondbacks. Nola can't throw no one out. Noodle arm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he can throw people out, but it has to be like not... It, like Corbin, I think it was Corbin Carroll today for the Diamondbacks. I think it was against Garcia. He got an amazing jump. It doesn't matter who is catching in that spot. You're not throwing him out. So when the pitchers aren't even looking at guys like Corbin Carroll, they're not paying attention or close enough attention to guys like that on the bases, and you're just letting them get great jumps like that, you can't really blame Nola because no one's going to throw out Corbin Carroll in that spot. It doesn't matter who is behind the plate. So I would say it's a combination. You know, when guys don't get the best jump, they still they still they still steal second. Um, well, then you can say, yeah, that's probably on Nola a little bit, but also pitchers not controlling the run game good enough or just not working fast enough to the plate. Sal says bullpen not looking too good. Yeah, so opening day, obviously, that was not great. Tapia, Chris Matt. I'm not going to I'm not going to go as far as, as, as to say that Chris Matt pitched bad today. What was his line? I'm looking up his line right now. Again, he should have gotten out of that inning, but Dahl dropped that ball and right, you know, bad defense, kicking themselves in the butt. That, that that's kind of what happened today. Uh, Chris Matt, an inning, three hits, but one of those hits was counted as a double even though it, it that was an error on Dahl. Yeah, Chris Matt did walk to um, but what did I say? The game should have been like 5-1 still at that point when Chris Matt left, I think, 5-1, if Dahl would have caught that ball and right. So there was a lot of things for this game. I can't just pinpoint one thing on why the Padres lost, unless I'm going to say generally they just played sloppy baseball. But it, there was pitching, there was defense, Um. Not controlling the run game, letting the Diamondbacks run all over the place. Like there, there was multiple things here that happened. And how many games did Hater pitch in this homestand? One or two. I'd, I'd like to see him pitch a little bit more, but early in the year, the Padres they're going to save him for save situations. When he did pitch, he pitched well this this homestand. Devin says three for th- or three and three, not too bad, but would have liked to finish the first homestand with a positive note. Yeah, of course. And four and two just feels a lot better than three and three, especially with the way it got to three and three, you know, having a 5-1 lead and then losing. Yeah, shout out to uh, Xander Bogarts. X-Man, Devin says, is literally on a rampage at the moment. Grish smokes two big bombs in the back end of the rotation. Look decent. Nothing bad to say. Well, I have some bad things to say, like, about some things that happened in this series. You know, some of the the big offensive players had some slow starts. The bullpen was not the best it could have been. So there are some negative things that we can say about this, but I do agree. Like, encouraging things that I, I've seen so far in this homestand, or in this homestand I saw from Bogarts, from Grisham. Uh rotate you know Waka Martinez Lugo especially Lugo I mean he pleasantly surprised me with his outing on Sunday that game was like 2 hours long and Lugo just attacking the zone 22 first pitch strikes out of the 25 batters he faced that was impressive giving length you know uh who, who would have thought right like uh, Darvish Snell they don't give length well I guess you could have thought Snell but the two best pitchers in the rotation going into the year because musgrove obviously isn't in it right now they don't really give the padres the length the first time around it's the bottom three that give the padres the length yep i agree lizzie carpenter and dolls errors cost us some runs definitely doll yep cost two runs there should have been out of the inning devin says hill honeywell and Hader were sharp chris matt garcia on the other hand looked shaky Did't Garcia pitch okay the other night though what when did he pitch Saturday I want to say it was Saturday um but yeah today t- t- today he was not not good definitely agree with that uh and then Honeywell I was kind of impressed and kind of not impressed by his performances I think he pitched back to back days these these two Diamondbacks games got his first strikeout last night since April of 2021 because he was dealing with some injuries and being in the minor leagues and having to go earn a spot back on a big league roster. So that was cool to see that. I mean, it was a nasty, I think it was a screwball that he threw there. Nasty pitch. Uh, But he got hit around a little bit today. But he did come in in a very tough situation. I mean, Garcia, maybe there was the bases loaded. I forget if it was the bases loaded or not. But uh, he, he came in definitely with runners on Garcia's runners. So, Honeywell today finished inning and two third, one hit, no earned runs, no walks, one strikeout. All right. I think it's time to get to the Manny Machado thing. So, first inning, Manny is DHing because Bomel wants to kind of use like the double day off thing, two days off in a row, have Manny still be in the lineup. There's the day off tomorrow before the Atlanta series starts up um, in Atlanta, obviously. So, kind of get Manny off his feet two days in a row. You see managers do that nowadays. And so, I wasn't surprised to see Manny DHing today, but I was expecting him to be DHing, not have one at bat and then get screwed over by the umpire, uh, Ron Culpa, who thinks everyone bought a ticket to go watch him be the home plate umpire. So sick of that guy. Seriously, I'm so sick of that guy. If there was one umpire that I'd want out of this league, I'd probably want Culpa out more than Angel Hernandez. And I think that's saying a lot. Uh, But yeah, so Manny, he's up there. And there's two strikes on him. Zach Gallons take the mound. Clock's running down. 11, 10, 9, 8. Manny calls timeout. It looked like Culpa was going to give it to him because he signaled time. And then... He points to Manny, calls him out, strike three, innings over. So he took the the, the bat out of our best player's hands, or arguably best player, our captain's hands in his first at-bat. When he called time, Manny followed the rules here. He was in the box. He wasn't ready. Eight seconds, he called time. For anyone that wants to sit there and say, well, no, Manny didn't follow the rules. He called time, and there were seven seconds on there. No, no, no. If you go look back at the replay, you slow it down, Manny called. he signals for time with eight seconds left on the clock. And I believe there were still eight seconds on the clock when Copa started to move to call time. So he should have been awarded time in that situation. It wasn't that, like... It's not like it was five seconds, and Manny called time or seven seconds. The batter has eight seconds by if there when there's eight seconds on the clock, he has to be looking at the at the pitcher. Manny wasn't, but he was calling time. He's allowed to do that, and so he's called out, Manny's like, come on, Ron. I think that's what he said uh b s call, and there was uh, I think Danny Vietti on Twitter. He posted a video about what Manny said that got him tossed. He he called um, Ron Culpa a douchebag. And I'm like, well, I'm thinking in my head, Manny's not wrong. Ron Culpa, he loves picking a fight with Manny Machado. And he wants to be the center of attention. He thinks everyone goes to the game to watch him be the home plate umpire. Like, no one cares about you, Ron. You're... Disrupting our entertainment. We're trying to watch Manny Machado play baseball, and I know Nelson Cruz homered in that first at bat, which was great to see. But I still would have rather have seen Manny in the lineup over Nelson Cruz. You know the last however many at bats that he had. Manny. Sh- okay, so just because Manny called him a douchebag, that's what gets Ron Copa uh, mad and that like calling him a douchebag is now good enough to throw Manny out of the game that's what the standard is home plate umpires are that soft that they make a bad call they call someone out when they should have just awarded him time because it was under the rules he was doing something that was under the rules didn't give him the time out and you throw him out Just because he called you out, essentially, on the bad call that you made. In the first inning, this wasn't late in the game. First inning, and you throw him out. And guess what? Ron Copa isn't going to get disciplined. It's not like he's going to go get fined. At least, Major League Baseball is not going to make that public. Major League Baseball makes it public when baseball players get fined for doing stuff. But not for umpires. So, publicly, Ron Culpe is not going to face any re- repercussions for this. Just, I guess, fans on social media saying how bad of an umpire he is. But he probably doesn't have social media. He doesn't care about that. So he doesn't have to face anything. No punishment. He still gets to umpire the rest of that game and go umpire and get paid. While Manny, he has to go sit in the clubhouse after one at-bat and can't help his team. Doesn't that 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 doesn't sound right? And it's not like Manny was like right in his face and pointing at him like Manny has done previously in some ejections and gotten really, really pissed off. It seemed like Manny was just like, Come on, dude, I called time. And as he was walking away, that's a BS call, you douchebag, and then and Copa was like, Nope, you're gone. It's just stupid. It's just stupid. And even, obviously, even if the Padres would have won, I would have brought, brought it up and had this opinion. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel any time. ends Friday, May 10th. See home club for details. It's just, it's just tired. I mean, go back to last game or not last game. Last season, Padres Dodgers. Copa was behind the plate and he was making terrible calls all night for both sides. Mainly the Padres. I remember Grisham was at the plate, ball way outside. Strike. Just terrible ball down, strike. And then there was the at-bat to Manny. I have a breakdown on this here on this YouTube channel, and it's on, I think, my Twitter, at Talking Friars. Just probably look up Ron Culpa breakdown or something. um, And and probably put Manny. Manny, Ron Culpa breakdown. You'll probably find it. But yeah, Manny, there was one at-bat where there was a couple missed ball calls. Culpa calls it a strike. Then there's a then Manny strikes out looking against the Dodgers last year it was a strike but Manny was pissed off about the previous calls that were that were just messed up by Ron Copa and he gets run and then as he's walking back to the dugout back is towards Copa Copa goes after Manny and keeps talking and keeps engaging and wants Manny to keep like he, he's picking a fight with Manny he loves picking fights with I don't know if it's about I don't know if he likes picking fights with players all around the league, but whenever he's managing or whenever he's umpiring against the Padres, it seems like he's always out for Manny. And Manny's just tired of it, just like a lot of Padre fans are tired of it. If you're watching these games that are umpired behind the plate by Ron Culpa, but hes I doubt he's going to face any punishment for making a wrong ejection call. Because it's a, it's a judgment call, right? So stupid. Yeah, Laz Diaz is also bad, but I'd still go with Culpa. If there's one guy I could just kick out of the league, it's probably Ron Copa. Allen says, Manny he got his hand up in time, but he shouldn't have cursed at him, which led to the ejection. I mean, come on. Every umpire... Ha- Every umpire, I guarantee you, every umpire, every game deals with players cussing. So, Nkopa has umpired probably hundreds of games now in the big leagues. I think he's used to it. But he's still so soft that someone says that to him, and first inning, yeah, you're gone. Like, come on. All right, I think those were my main thoughts for today's Padres game. 8-6 loss. Diamondbacks rallied in the 8. Speed, errors, blue pits. The, the Padres offense showed up. I mean, really, props to Xander Bogarts. He's, he, he's had one heck of a homestand to start off his Padres career. Trent Grisham has been swinging the bat well. And hopefully on this road trip, Manny, Soto... They could really get the bats going. Crony can continue after having a good game today. Uh, Soda had a home run yesterday. Had at least one hit today. So, looks like he's doing a little bit better. Uh, but it's going to be a tough road trip coming up. Not as tough because Verlander's not going to pitch for the Mets. But Braves and the Mets coming up, those are tougher teams than the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. And the Padres went 3-3 three and three against the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. So, They got to play cleaner, crisper baseball, that's for sure. Check out Gaglione Bros' famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. Alan says Doug Eddings is worse. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about worse. Doug Eddings does suck, but Ron Culpa just pisses me off. Um, All right, let's talk about the Padres game yesterday. Padres won 5-4, and it didn't look like they were going to win. You know, the Aztecs, they lost, unfortunately, to UConn. An amazing season. But they lost, and it looked like the Padres were going to lose. Evan Longoria hit that go-ahead home run. And it's like, well, yes. Uh, San Diego had such a great Sports weekend, such a great sports Saturday. Just all three major San Diego sports teams, Padres, Aztecs basketball, the Wave, all getting wins that we had to have a bad sports Monday with the Aztecs losing, the Padres losing. But then Bob Melvin has David Dahl pinch hit there as the eight hitter. And David Dahl hits the game-tying home run in the left center field gap or over the left center field wall, couple rows deep um, stayed on it. I loved how pumped up he was as he was going from first to second, as we, you know, that camera angle that we saw. So he ties the game up. Then Ha Sung Kim comes up as the nine hitter and he walks it off. Uh, obviously the win of the year so far, I know that the year just got started, but it, it was one heck of an ending. Definitely one heck of an ending. Uh, and, It was great to see the Padres fans, you know, chanting Ha Sung Kim's name as they always do. And then he delivers. Um, And the excitement that he had, taking off his helmet, you know, the fist up in the air. And then Bogey and Manny, everyone jumping at the plate as he's coming in. Um, The Gatorade bath. Manny got, he almost got scanned. He he got Kim and he got. Uh, what's the translator's name? Leo Bay, I think. I could be botching that. I apologize to him. Um, I think that's his name. But Manny got the translator, got Kim. Bogarts and Soto kind of missed, but it it was a great celebration and it was a much-needed win after the Aztecs, obviously, disappointment, you know. um, I I mean, I don't mean to say like I'm disappointed in the Aztecs team. It, It was just a a sucky loss, right? Because you wanted to win the natty so bad, right? Um, and to to come, you know, 40 minutes away from being the national champions uh, and you weren't able to get it, it sucks. So we were just down. And then Longo hits that home run, and it's like, oh, come on, really? we got to end the night like this? And then it all, tra- it all changed. You know, the Diamondbacks, they don't have a closer. I know Don and Mudd, they were talking about that on the broadcast last night. They don't really have a closer. I totally forget, what what was the guy's name? McGowan, who was in the game yesterday for them in that ninth inning? McGow? I don't know if I've ever heard of this guy. Uh, I've heard of Chafin, Andrew Chafin. But, yeah, Scott McGow, I guess, was the pitcher yesterday. And had a couple mistake pitches there and the Padres Capitalized. I mean, the Padres, they, they have a much better bullpen situation than the Diamondbacks, but I, I know that didn't show itself much uh, in this homestand, but hopefully, you know, the length of the season, it'll prove that this Padres bullpen is one of the better bullpens in baseball. But yeah, I mean, I don't want to just highlight the Dahl and Kim home runs either because, like, going, you know, going back in this game, Ryan Weathers, he made that start finally returns to the big leagues, like, super happy for him um, because he's had to work through a lot of things. You know, he really struggled at times last year in the minor leagues, and so he really had to work his butt off to get back, and he has. I don't think that, I mean, I I just don't hold the opinion that he should have made that start. I, I thought that Groom should have made the roster, but I do understand, like, the walk numbers, were a little concerning probably to the Padres front office so they just had him go down. Weathers has big league experience so I understand the decision and I definitely don't hate Ryan Weathers. Um it was cool for it was cool to see him back on the mound. He uh I thought he pitched okay. He ends up going 5 innings, gave up 5 hits, 2 earned runs so kept the Padres in the game obviously. Only struck out 2. I thought he was going to strike out more than that. Um, But he only walked one guy. Ended up throwing 90 pitches. Then Honeywell comes in. He gives the Padres two innings. Gave up one run. So, good. I mean, good job out of the Weathers and Honeywell. And then shout out to Tim Hill because he got that double play in the, what was it, the ninth inning, I think. He gets that double play. And that allows the Padres to be down just one instead of multiple runs. And then maybe the Kim home run, like I was saying earlier, it's something that puts them only or puts them still down one or it ties the game instead of winning the game. So props to Tim Hill. I mean, it seems like every year we sit here and say, man, Tim Hill doesn't get talked about enough. He gets out a lot of jams. And that's what I find myself saying, you know, to start this season uh I definitely appreciate Tim that's for sure but yeah I mean pr- so props to the pitching staff for keeping the Padres in the game and then to the defense the manny catch down the line was tremendous definitely showed his hops there and it did save a run I'm trying to look at what the situation the situation excuse me was trying to remember it It did save a run. Uh, I think he robbed, who was it? Was it Kyle Lewis? I think it was Kyle Lewis up at the plate. Liner looked like it was going down the left field corner. And Manny jumps up, snags it. Yeah, so third inning, third inning, there was no outs. Kyle Lewis was up at the plate. Weathers kind of hung a pitch there. Lewis lines one down the left field line. I'm rewatching it right now. And Manny grabs it. Definitely saved a run there. So that was huge. And then the Jose Zocar catch later in the game, that would have been a leadoff double, maybe a triple, probably a double Uh, leadoff guy on. Maybe that would have changed things. So there was some really good defense there by the Padres to keep the score where it was at. and Ended up being huge for the Padres because the Padres ended up coming back and winning on back-to-back home runs. David Dahl, that was his first hit with the Padres uh, at the big league level, obviously. Odor, I believe, had his first hit with the Padres. That was a double, I think, to the left center field gap last night. Um, you know, lineup construction is another thing that we could talk about. I I, I like the way that Bomell is kind of shifting around the lineup. You know, nowadays in Major League Baseball, you're not going to see the the lineup be consistent all the time. You know, when Tatis comes back, hopefully it does become kind of consistent, at least, you know, the first four or five hitters. If Tatis is going to lead off, well, then have him lead off every day. Um, you know, like, the best players, they should stay probably in a consistent spot because they're really good players. Who cares what the matchup says? they should be able to get on base most times, right? Um, So hopefully it's a little more consistent later in the year, but now, you know, experimenting with Bogarts leading off until Tatis comes back and Grisham leading off a little bit. And if Grisham's leading off, then Bogarts is probably hitting fourth. Soto hitting second, Manny hitting third, or Manny hitting third, Soto hitting second. Um, One would, so Soto would hit second if, a righty's on the mound sometimes if a lefty's on the mound uh maybe it's third maybe they want bogart's manny up back to back there um just finding different ways to, to to go about making this lineup is what bob melvin and the Padres are doing right now there's a lot of different combinations that they can go with and might as well right now kind of tinker with things at the beginning of the year to try to find what works best and what makes most of the line, most of the team, comfortable uh, in the lineup. You know where they're hitting, and maybe at some point down the line, you know the offense, or the lineup is going to look pretty consistent. Uh, but also later in the year, we could still be seeing you know Cruz Carpenter changing positions every day. One on the bench, one DHing, or Carpenter at first, Crony at second, Kim not in the lineup, Cruz in there. So where is each guy hitting? The outfield situation. Um, you know, if O'Dor's out there or if Dahl's out there, that might change the lineup a little bit. If Campy's catching or Nola's catching, how does that change the lineup? Um, where do they put Kim there, you know, near the bottom if he's not leading off? Like there's a lot of different things that the Padres are gonna be talking about with this lineup all year long, you know, before every game. But i I've, I've liked how the lineup I've noticed that the lineup has been changing a little bit that uh, they're not trying to stick with just one thing right now because i don't think that's the best approach at the beginning of the year you want to get everyone involved because you don't want someone sitting there for a week before they play before they get their first start um, i wouldn't think that that's great for that player that's sitting there for a week right so getting everyone involved and they do have some they do have that matchup depth if that makes sense like O'Dor. Carpenter, you know, if a righty's on the mound, they can go with those guys in the lineup. If a righty's, uh, excuse me, if a lefty's on the mound, they could have Cruz in there. They could have Dahl in there, right? Um, or excuse me, I said lefty. No, no, no. Dahl is Dahl left. Doll's a lefty, right? Yeah. Dahl's a lefty. Um, there's just different combinations. Sorry, I was looking up to make sure Dahl's a lefty. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because he took it oppo last night. See, I should remember that. Um, Devin asks, what do you think of Odor in right field? I don't really have much of a thought on that right now. I was, you know, when that was first happening in spring training, the only thing I thought of it was, okay, he's making the team. We've never seen him out there. It didn't seem like he got a ton of action out there, this first homestand in right field. And I think he played a game at second, at least one. So there's not a whole lot to for me to give my thoughts on on him in right field. He hasn't like made a really bad mistake or anything that, you know, has blown up on social media or anything like that. So I can't really say anything negative, but I'm not gonna sit here and act like I'm gonna act like he's like this amazing right fielder. I just haven't really seen a a big sample size. Uh, Enrique asked, do you think the early bullpen struggles are temporary or long-term? I I would say more temporary. Chris Matt, if you look at his long-term track record, he's been a really good uh, reliever for the Padres. Um, Underrated reliever. Tim Hill's been good. Luis Garcia has been a good reliever for the Padres. If you go look at uh, last year, he's one of the better relievers. So, yeah, it was not a good game for him today. And there has been struggles from the bullpen. But I do think it's important to remember it's the beginning of the year. Domingo Tapia should not even be in this bullpen if some guys were healthy. Their second-best reliever, Robert Suarez, or arguably best reliever. Hater's probably a little ahead of Suarez, but um, Suarez is not there. Pomerantz is not there. When he's on the field, the guy has like a sub-3 ERA, sub-2 ERA uh more is not there so the bullpen is not at full strength we'll see what it looks like if seth lugo goes to the at some point or if nick martinez goes to the pen at some point because i don't see the padres sticking with a six-man rotation all year so one of those guys will have to go to the bullpen if musgrove Darvish, snell walka martinez or lugo if those guys are healthy right that leaves martinez or lugo probably going to the pen uh Cole Hamels, when is he going to be ready? Midseason? I'm not counting on him. Don't don't get me wrong, but just throwing out some different names there. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not. To answer that, I think the bullpen struggles are temporary. I don't think we should be that concerned about it. Obviously, just bummed out that it that that has happened already. Uh, but that did happen, if I remember correctly, last year too. That the bullpen was not amazing you know to start the year right i mean robert suarez on opening day i know this gets brought up a lot but suarez last year on opening day did not pitch well and look what happened the rest of the year right or sec- mostly the second half of the year right he, he he like didn't give up a run in september pitched amazingly well in the postseason so it's a long year i wouldn't overreact to the first homestand of the year results wise with the bullpen and then, I also wouldn't overreact to like Bogarts either. It, I'm I'm ecstatic that he's doing this the first home stand, but I don't think we should expect him to hit 400 the whole year, right? Uh, but he, he's gotten off to a good power start, right? Has like three home runs already. Grish has how many? Two, I think. Because Cruz got his first one today. Bogarts has three. Yeah, Grisham has two. So good start from some guys on offense and I think I think this was this homestand was a good indication on what we can get out of Bogarts, like line drive hitter, he's going to get on base. I mean, some people considered last year as a down year for Bogarts and he hit over three hundred. <laughs> I'd love to have that down year if I was playing in the big leagues, right? Uh so He's he's gonna be hitting cleanup or he's gonna be hitting second or hitting leadoff um or fifth. I don't know. I don't know where they're gonna put him. Probably I would say fourth, but that's just because I, I love Tatis in the leadoff spot. That just seems like where he's most comfortable. And they can utilize his speed, athleticism there in that leadoff spot. Um wherever they put wherever they put Bogey, like he'll come through more often than not. Um uh, in those those spots I think with runners on. And I like I've liked what I've seen so far defensively. I don't have anything negative to say about Xander Bogart so far, which obviously is what we'd like to see, right? Uh, we'd we'd rather not have to say anything negative than uh have see fans maybe overreacting to the first homestand on Bogart's performance. Because maybe this was the first time that some fans are seeing Bogart's because they didn't go watch Red Sox games, um, or they didn't really watch Bogarts in the postseason. They just care about Padres baseball, and that's fine too. Uh, Youssef says in today's game, when Crone went home on the double steal, if he had just tagged out the runner at second, would the run of with the run have counted? Um, if there was two outs in that spot then no, but I don't know if there was two, was there two outs in that spot? I forget if there were two outs in that spot. If there were two outs, then no, but um, the runner may have beaten it anyway because Nola's throw wasn't strong. Like, Crony had to come off off the bag, to receive the ball have a little momentum and uh make he had a kind of off-balance throw at home i think it was the right decision by crony like he saw the guy run from home at that point you got to try to limit the runs so i was fine with the play from crony it wasn't that hard of a throw by nolan i mean none of his throws really are but that's Look, the pitchers have to be a little bit faster to the plate. Got to control the run game better, especially against teams like the Diamondbacks that have multiple fast players. It's not just Corbin Carroll. Jake McCarthy's pretty fast. All right, more Padres talk. Um, What grade would I give the Padres this homestand? All that and more here after this. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's underdog fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pickup games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes or if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy to use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code, Friers, and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. Yeah, so my underdog pick today. So I had Darvish higher than five and a half strikeouts. He ended up only getting three strikeouts. So I obviously did not hit that one. Uh, I had Sandy Alcantara from the Marlins higher than six and a half strikeouts. He ended up throwing, I think, a shutout. Uh, It says here five strikeouts. Let me double check that. I think he finished that game against the Twins. So, yeah, Darvish, that was kind of surprising to me that he only got three strikeouts in that game. Uh, Because even him only going five innings, like he just has that natural strikeout stuff. Um going to the Marlins here, Alcantara, five strikeouts. Yeah. So not many strikeouts there for pitching what nine innings? One nothing win for Miami. So yeah, so click that uh click that link in the description, the underdog link. You can use my code Talking Friars. They'll double your deposit up to a hundred dollars. So you deposit five bucks, they'll give you you'll have ten. They'll give you five. You deposit 20, you'll have 40. Uh, So hopefully you understand that. Pick them, best ball drafts. Definitely encourage you to use underdog fantasy. More sports than just baseball. Um, There's a lot of other sports too. Uh, Enrique says, I can't wait for Musgrove, Suarez, and Tatis to be on the team. I want to see the team at its full potential. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty much what we're all waiting for. Uh, There is an update on Fernando Tatis Jr., by the way. He is starting minor league re I don't want to say rehab games. He's starting minor league games uh, today for El Paso. I believe they're in Sacramento. There's also a Joe Musgrove update. So Musgrove, he's going to have a rehab start on Thursday for El Paso uh, in Sacramento. So Tatis, the situation there is he can return on April 20th against the Diamondbacks if every Padres game as scheduled is going to be played leading up to that Diamondbacks game, April 20th. Doesn't seem like there's going to be the best weather for the Atlanta series this coming weekend. So if games have to get postponed and the Padres have to make those games up, then the date for Tatis to return will be pushed back from April 20th to April 21st. If, Padres don't play one of those games or April 22nd 23rd whenever it's he has I think what 16 something like that 16 games that he still has to miss I think that's right I'm just double-checking here so give me a minute to double-check because I post on on social media, I post a daily Tatis highlight until he returns. Uh, sixteen, yeah, sixteen games. It looks like sixteen games until Tatis returns. So if the Padres have some of those rained out, then that date gets pushed back. So I know some have the April twentieth tickets because they just think that that's going to be Tatis's return because that's his scheduled return. I'm just telling you it's not guaranteed that April twentieth is when he returns. He's just on track to return at that time because the Padres have played every game as scheduled. But that could change with the Atlanta New York road trip because we know the weather doesn't always cooperate uh, on those you know east Coast trips so good good news. Uh Tati seems pretty healthy. Uh, seems actually a hundred percent so between spring training ending and now I think he's been in Arizona just hitting on on off of minor leaguers backfields I think he probably hit off of Darvish Musgrove when they were having some of their rehab outings so that's the latest there and then good news on Musgrove obviously having him have a rehab start for El Paso according to Kevin AC the Padres are leaning towards having Musgrove make a couple rehab starts with El Paso instead of just one. So that would mean that Musgrove could return March 16th instead of March 11th. I don't think that the Padres have ruled out the March 11th outing, but March 16th, it seems like that's the more likely date that he'll return now. March 11th was in New York against the Mets, which would have been great uh, right, for him to make a season debut in New York after everything that happened in the wildcard series last year. But also, you know, the March 16th, or not March, why do I keep saying March? April 16th. Uh, April, we just had the whole month of March, so I'm just used to saying March. April 16th, that game would be at home against the Milwaukee Brewers. So having him start his first game of the year at home would be cool too. So again, the eleventh, that would be against the Mets. That's a Tuesday, or the sixteenth, that's a Sunday. That would be at home, I believe, against the Brewers. I mean, it, it seems like Musgrove is gonna sit there and say, Yeah, I wanna go the eleventh. I'm good to go for April eleventh. But if the Padres think he should wait till the sixteenth, then I'm just gonna follow that and say, Yeah, he should wait till the sixteenth. I I love Joe, he's one of my favorite players. I want to see him pitch in the big leagues with the Padres, but I don't want him rushing this because I'm looking at the long-term picture, right? He's already made, he's already, good. even if he comes back on like the 16th, he's coming back earlier than what some thought he was going to come back. Like He's going to come back earlier than when some people thought he was going to come back. Some people thought, what did some people say? Like he was going to miss all of April because of that injury. So for him to come back mid-April, that's pretty good. And remember in spring training, when he was taking those like 40-minute drives to sit in the hyperbaric chamber for a couple hours, um, and then after working out in Peoria, he'd go back and sit in there for a couple hours, like just working his butt off to shave a little bit of time off of um him being sidelined and him not being able to help the team that's how much he cares that's how much he wants to help this padres team so i definitely respect that he's working his butt off um i I still i just don't i don't want him to to rush back right the competitor wants to rush back right the competitor and me the competitor and him obviously but this is a situation where you just got to think of the long-term and the training staff, the Padres training staff, they will probably get the, the last word, the, the most probably have the most important say in this, right? All right. Getting back to this homestand for the Padres again, three and three, I put a Twitter poll up at talking Friars on Twitter. Um, how would you grade the Padres first homestand of the season? The options, A, B, C, or F. I don't do Ds around here. Uh, you either passed or you failed. Um, not many people said an A. 1.6%. There's been a pretty good vote size. Over 630 votes. 637 votes as I'm reading this. A couple hours of the poll. Um, over 600 votes. So, 1.6% of those people said A. I disagree with that. I, I would not say an A. Um, when you go three and three against the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, I can't give you that. When you blow a four run lead in the last game of the homestand, I can't give you an A. When some of the star players did not get off to very good starts, can't give an A. Um, but I like I like those fans that are thinking positively. I just hope that we have higher standards than oh, they had a three and three homestand. All right, A. You know, we should have higher standards for this team. So it's good that most of the fans here in this poll did not put an A. Uh, 29.7% said B. 59.3% said C. And 9.4% said F. I am in that 59.3%. I I would say a C. You know, what is a C? You know, passing, average. All right. That's what the homestand was results-wise, 3-3. and There was some encouraging signs from the bullpen, but then there also was not some encouraging signs. Right? There was more encouraging signs than not from the rotation. Uh, But then there were sometimes there there were some other not encouraging things. Like some sometimes the defense was not great, like today, Um, or the lineup didn't do much the first two games of the homestand. Right? You got to so you got to balance those things out. Right? So three and three. And if they were three and three against like the Braves and Mets, maybe I would have said more like a B because you know, better competition. But Rockies, Diamondbacks, three and three, it's hard for me to sit there and say, no, I'll give you better than a C. So I'm going C. If we go back to just this homestand, right, just go through every game that happened in this homestand. First one of the year, opening day game got pushed back. They lose seven two. Second game of the year, they lose four one. Right, first two games of the year they were outscored eleven to three. Then we go into April. They win eight four. They win three one. They win five four last night, even though they got saved by the eight and nine hitters, and one of them was a pinch hitter. Um, so, some encouraging signs, some discouraging signs there yesterday, and then discouraging signs today and some encouraging signs from the offense but um i think they went a few innings without getting a hit after the bogarts home run it was not off to a good start those first couple games then they went on the three game winning streak but then they finished it the home stand up with a, with the a, a bad taste in our mouths right so Again, it's it, it's hard for me to to give this team better than average, which is a C. You know, A is great, B is above average, and C is average. You know, just you know, they pass they pass the home stand. That's what I'll say. They passed the home stand. All right, I did want to finish this up. Just hitting on San Diego State for those that did not see uh, my reaction to San Diego State's loss to UConn and the season ending last night um this is maybe a little bit better for the the podcast audience too because maybe they're they don't subscribe to the YouTube channel and didn't see it so I just wanted to give a quick reaction again so San Diego State they obviously lose to UConn last night this was like the first time this tournament where you sat there and was like yeah UConn's just a better version of San Diego State that you know UConn's the better team, and they won. Did the Aztecs help themselves, you know, not being able to make a basket for 11 minutes? No. Uh, but like Jaden Ladee, he's a big dude, but he was having a hard time getting past some of the big men. Uh, Sunogo, there was a couple other big men. There was like a 7-2 freshman coming off the bench uh, that made Mensa and Keyshot and uh, a rope. Ladee made them all look small, and the Aztecs didn't really see that in the tournament. You know, even Alabama, like there was comparable size there. Uh, felt like Alabama was the better team heading in. You know, number one overall seed, but the Aztecs, they just ha- they didn't run into the length, the size yet in the tournament that they that that UConn had. Um, so I'm I'm bummed out that they weren't able to beat UConn. But I, I I find myself not being able to sit on that thought for more than like 10, 20 seconds. Yeah, bummed out about the loss, blah blah blah. you know, things didn't go their way. but then I immediately go to what a freaking season that was, what a successful season that was. Some didn't know if this team was going to win a tournament game. I was thinking this season was going to be a success if they won one tournament game because it was progress because Dutch had never won a tournament game as the head coach. That's what we wanted to see, right? It was progress. And going into the Charleston game, we knew it was going to be a tough match, uh, a tough matchup. Right? So they won that game. Then they dominated Furman. Uh, then they beat Alabama. They beat Creighton. They beat FAU and they were in the national championship game. It still feels like a dream. Like, This team was 40 minutes away from winning the national championship. This team was playing on Monday night. This team was playing on the elevated court. Because you know, it's Final Four time when they're playing on the elevated court, you know, because they're not playing in a normal arena like they do in the rounds before that, right? They were playing in front of what, 70,000, I think it was, 70,000 people. They were playing in an NFL stadium. It just feel, still feels like a dream. Um, it's a season that some Aztecs fans probably don't even dream about because we didn't even think that this was like a possibility of happening because the Aztecs had never gotten past the Sweet 16. You get past the Sweet 16, it was that, that would be like, holy cow, what a year. They didn't just do that. They won the Elite Eight game. They won the Final Four game. What a year. Mountain West regular season conference champs. They won the Mountain West tournament. And then they won five tournament games after Dutch had never won a tournament game as the head coach. Uh so I, I'm just proud of this team. You know, Mensa, a rope, uh Bradley, um, Seiko, Lamont, obviously, but I, I was just trying to hit on the scene the seniors first. Uh, so proud uh, of the team and so proud of San Diego for Really showing support, great support to this Aztecs team during this run. Even if you weren't a San Diego State fan, you probably are now, or you, you, you still rooted on this team uh, during this run because you were supporting San Diego sports. And it was a heck of a run. Uh, I love the, the support from the Aztecs fans going to Houston and San Diego State chartering like 700 students to go to Houston. Uh, it was cool. Really, really cool. Um, so yeah memories that san Diego's never going to forget i'm never going to forget where i was my reaction to lamont hitting that game winning shot to send san diego state to the national championship the final four was already like wow final four but to win on, on a dramatic moment like that i'm not going to forget where i was watching lamont hit the game winner against new mexico earlier in the year um there were a lot of a lot of moments, a lot of moments that that come to mind in the Parish three early in the year. I think it was against UC Irvine. Seiko going nuts at Viejas. Um obviously Tremell against Creighton and making the free throws, you know, the foul that, oh, controversy. It wasn't a controversy, it was a foul, but a lot of memorable moments. Um even earlier in the tournament, you know, against Furman and um just just the the physicality San Diego State showed with Mensa—a rope coming up with big blocks—I'm um, gonna remember the a rope block. I'm gonna remember being watching the play over again because I didn't know because where I was watching from on the Butler shot, I didn't know that FAU uh, had their shot blocked by a rope. I thought they just missed, but I'm gonna remember going back and seeing that. And like holy cow, what a block by a rope! And then Mensa gets it down to Lamont, and Lamont almost stepped out. Left hand comes up, jumper hits it, and crowd goes nuts. San Diego State goes nuts. All of San Diego went nuts, you know. And seeing the reaction from Tony Gwynn Jr. on the Valley Sports San Diego broadcast, right? All of these memories that are just flooding back to me as I'm just trying to think of as many memories as I can about this year, and we'll have. You know, more time to reflect, obviously, on these moments. But I just wanted to to end this pretty much by saying what a year. Super proud of this Aztecs team. It it was a year uh, that some, you know, again, some Aztecs fans don't even dream about. Probably didn't even dream about because we didn't even think that it was possible that they would get to the national freaking championship game in college basketball. Uh, Pac-12, Big 12. I think Pac-12 is probably coming. If 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 San Diego State is not invited to another major conference, um, then I I don't know what those conferences are doing. Perfect timing for that. Uh, love Brian Do- Brian Dutcher, you know, as the coach of this program and these players that really really love playing for San Diego State. Great fans, and hopefully this was a, a one of many long runs uh, in San Diego sports this year right still got the Padres still got the wave hopefully it was one long run and now there's going to be some more long runs coming up after that in uh the month of October all right that's going to do it Talking Friars episode 378 thank you everyone so much for tuning in here for the show uh I'll talk to you guys later in the week off day tomorrow And then the Padres, they're back at it. Hopefully, hopefully the weather can cooperate. They're back at it on Thursday against the Atlanta Braves. Again, thank you everyone for the time. Ben Fenn signing off. Go Padres. See See ya.